Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The worst that can happen is we write a bad piece of music. Exactly. Or a piece yeah. of music that we don't like and uh, I yeah, can think of worse things. You know, <laughs> you know, we're allowed to. It's called yeah. Excuse the Mess and that's yeah, sort of the point. Like, yeah, Excuse just... the Mess. Good. Yes, it is. Welcome to the second episode of Excuse the Mess featuring conversations and music making with the composer and trumpeter Laura Jerd. It's hosted by me, Ben Corrigan. Excuse the Mess is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England and also PRS Foundation. So a huge thanks to them for funding this episode and six more to come over the next few months. So Laura is one of the most exciting voices to emerge on the British jazz scene in recent years. Her band Dinosaur, who are signed to Edition Records, were last year nominated for a Mercury Prize for their debut album Together As One. The track you're hearing underneath is Awakening, which is the opening track from that album. Laura talks to me about Dinosaur's soon-to-be-released album, Wonder Trail, and how the process and approach has been totally different to their first album. She's also provided some exclusive teasers from the album, just for us. We also chat about being an improvising toddler, writing music for fully grown improvisers, some of her previous albums, and you'll also discover just how much she loves the trumpet and why. So in each of these episodes, alongside all the chat, I'll also be co-composing a brand new piece of music for each guest. You'll get to hear this writing process, starting with nothing and hopefully arriving at something. It's a totally spontaneous thing, there's no pre-planning. We're also limited to using only one instrument that the guest brings with them, which we can mess with electronically. So look out for the finished track towards the end of this episode. Okay, on with the podcast. Here is episode two featuring Laura Jerd. It's been an amazing kind of couple of years for us, I guess. Um, as a band, we've been playing for, I think, yeah, seven to eight years, I think, which um, I guess because we're still reasonably young, I think that's yeah. quite a cool thing. And um, yeah, we're just about to release our second album as a band in May, which is quite exciting. So you, You've got, I mean, this is an early plug, but mm. you've got the album launch, right, at King's Place. Yeah, I have the album launch for album number two, um, which is called Wonder Trail, coming out on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. you know. All right, then. There you go. That's the release <laughs> joke. It's put you it into helps the me camp. remember, to be honest. <laughs> Does yeah. it really? don't even like Star Wars, by the Fair way. Fair enough, that's well, fine. don't hate it. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent about Star Wars. You're alienating all the Star Wars fans um, out there. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I love Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and the King's Place gig is on the 3rd of May, so that's cool. exciting, yeah. Like, what words would you actually use to describe Dinosaur? 
Yeah, that is so tricky, you know. I've been thinking a lot about this because obviously we're releasing a second album and there's yeah. things you have to, you know, come up with like a press release or whatever. When yeah, you, sure. And that, that's yeah. this one time where you have to come up with words. Like, in a way, if it was up to me, the simplest way to put it would be like trumpet-led instrumental band. Because that leaves the door wide open for anything, which I quite enjoy. Because I know that for sure, ten years down the line, yeah. the music's going to sound different. Who knows what yeah. it's going to sound like? Yeah. Two years, it's going to sound different. Four years, you know. <laughs> dinosaur track called Underdog and here's Laura talking about some bands that influence her. There's this great Norwegian uh, kind of alternative kind of indie pop band called Broen who uh, are really awesome and, and they use a lot of analogue synthesis and have this lovely bright um, energetic sound which I'm yeah. really kind of drawn to and, and also some of their harmony. There's other bands like this like this band Deerhoof, um, mm. who are kind of this like rocky, kind of punky band from America. They and they're, they're all a bunch of composers, and it makes sense when you when you hear their music. There's always these little sprinklings of of perhaps less conventional things that you wouldn't hear in rock and pop so much, like these little kind of almost like it's been seasoned with music from from outside the the sort of pop rock sphere, which which then makes that pop rock kind of sound really exciting to my ears. This second album, Wonder Trail, this is very much, um, definitely feels like a strong development from the previous one we did, Together As One, which was our debut album as a band. Um, I'd released a couple of things myself under my own name, but as Dinosaur, this is our album number two and in, in the first one we kind of started to introduce some more keyboard sounds so some synths and stuff um yeah and as ever during that 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 process i'm trying to work out how do i get four jazz musicians four improvisers to express kind of all this sound and, and music that i love um in an effective way and how do i yeah. make the compositions work actually adding the synths just gives these extra layers to help like assist with different timbral ideas and harmonic ideas that you know wouldn't be so easy with just four people playing yeah. four different instruments so yeah this this second album wonder trail we've kind of gone to town with that um elliot the the keyboard player in in dinosaur he's a uh, designed different synth sounds it's all analog synthesis and he's designed from scratch since sounds for each track you know so it's all very so thought out. Was that something um, that you two worked out before going into the studio the like the exact sounds and this kind of thing because I assume you write at home and you take yeah most of it prepared. So I suppose when I'm writing the tunes I, ha I have a kind of sound in mind but I'm not you know not completely wedded to anything in particular but I have a, a certain energy in mind yeah for yeah. sure and then you know, I'll describe that energy to Elio with lots of kind of, you know, descriptive, non-kind non, of technical yeah, words, yeah. you know, because I, I don't really know much about synthesis, so I can't just be like, can you just, uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, slightly change the end yeah. <laughs> yeah. or whatever, <laughs> I have no idea. So I just have to be quite flowery about it and say, yeah. 
kind of want this warm, uh, with quite a soft attack, like warm kind yeah. of uh, comforting sound with, you know, like I just have to yeah. describe it with words like that. Do you find that like you're hearing this stuff back and you're like, yes, this is it and let's run with that and it actually pushes you even further into that world? Yeah, I think as well, in the same way, like you're giving a lot of, like there's a lot of trust going on when you're in an improvising ensemble or an ensemble of jazz musicians, there's a lot of trust involved and because you're not necessarily writing every single bit of information yeah. down in real time in the way you would write for, say, more um, classical musicians, for want of a better word. But, um, yeah, there's also that element of trust with the sound design because I think by the time Elliot, for instance, has heard the composition and played it enough... Like, he can then go away and think, ah, oh, this sound is going to work so nicely uh -huh. on this. And then he can show me, and it might be an idea that I would never have, or a kind of sound which I'd never have thought of. Mm. But I'm like, oh, actually, that works really nicely. And, and I think that's the lovely thing about having, you know, I guess I'm the band leader in the sense that I write the tunes, but I'm still very much writing for these three other people to take what I've written and just, like, be themselves. So in Dinosaur, Laura's got three mighty musicians alongside her. There's Elliot Galvin on keys and synths, Corey Dick on drums, and Connor Chaplin on bass. This track's called Living Breathing. I was thinking actually about this and when it comes to like jazz composition, there's sort of like a, a, a balance of like composer-curator, would you say? Would you agree with that? You set a lot of stuff up, yeah, and you set the scene. You've sort of given them a springboard to react to what you've given them. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting talking about this because I actually um, I teach composition as well now. So I, I, I've been recently doing this this class where I'm talking about writing for jazz musicians, mm. and we were kind of looking at some of my pieces, and it's quite interesting. Uh, yeah, thinking about how to talk about it from that point of view, especially like after gigs as well, lots of people come up and they say, oh, how much of this is improvised, how much is written down? Yeah. And actually, a lot of the tunes um, for, for Dinosaur are very, structurally, it's very set, it's very uh -huh. writ out, yeah. written out. Sorry, A, a lot of the, uh, for instance, the synth parts that Elliot plays, it's all pretty much notated, but then there are just those moments in the piece... In, in pieces where he's kind of set free from that, actually. Yeah. I don't tend to write, like, chord symbols or anything, which is perhaps quite a conventional, like, jazz thing to do, because quite often, perhaps the harmony I'm writing isn't relevant, or, I, I you know, I want a specific voicing, so I, I write yeah. it all out, the keyboard parts. Um, yeah, and it's often, you know, coming out from more a pop or a rock kind of angle in terms of some of the parts, so... Yeah, it doesn't want that kind of jazz thing. It's all quite through composed in in a lot of the kind of verses and choruses or whatever. But then, as you say, like as part of the compositional process, I'm setting up environments for, you know, the likes of Elliot, who's a fantastic improviser. It'd be foolish not to do this. Exactly. Um, yeah. To just be completely set free, you know. Yeah. Um, within like a pre-decided environment, you know. Yeah. What, what Corey and Connor, Connor are doing, I've kind of set that up obviously they're gonna really Embellish. interpret and take that to yeah. new new places but um yeah embe embellish i guess ad lib would be the <laughs> yes. would be the instruction you know here's the music yeah. <laughs> 
this is a really lovely moment from a track called Robin. And here's Laura telling us about how she prepared for and approached the second album, Wonder Trail. The guy who recorded it, Sonny, he's a fantastic engineer called Sonny Johns, um, a musician um, in his own right as well, and he uh, um, produced the album. So we got together quite a lot before the session and discussed how we could perhaps bring the music to life using the studio in a way that we hadn't done the previous album. Because together as one, we basically toured a lot of the music before we recorded, and when it got, came to the studio, we just played everything live like it was another gig in a way. Okay, so, right. You know, there was maybe the odd overdub or whatever, but it was all pretty much live, whereas this one, we totally took advantage of the studio, and although we can recreate the music live, we we went to town with like yeah. things, making things sound a bit bigger, um, yeah, and use little devices that can only be done in the studio, which was really yeah. exciting so, for me. What we did is Sunny, I gave Sunny lots of just rough recordings of rehearsals of us playing the tunes mm -hmm. for him to get, just to to get get to know the repertoire, get to know the energy of it, and he had quite a lot of uh, ideas. We were talking about the sound design of all the synthesis. That, that was a big thing, because that, that, that really affects the energy of the tune, you know, the timbre yeah. of that instrument is is huge, so getting clear about what kind of synth sounds we wanted, and then also how can we get the studio involved in certain compositional things, so we did on one of the tunes which Sonny thought of, because Sonny produced the records, so he was very, very creative in the process, and because I've worked with him a lot before, like I was talking about that element of trust with the musicians, I love the idea of him being this fifth member of the band yeah, that kind of just gets involved, yeah. and I kind of love to see what he comes up with with my own tunes, it's really great. So there was one tune which kind of has this repeated riff, and he thought it'd be cool to make, yeah, to basically record a loop and make it, like really clearly sound like a loop rather than a human being repeating uh -huh. something. Yeah. So like making the end of the loop do something like so that it kind of felt a bit weird when it started again. So sure. it felt like is it a uh, timing thing? Is it slightly? Uh, like it's a sound thing really. Okay. It's like, for instance, like a symbol, like or the hi hat being opened at the end of the loop. So it sounds quite weird uh -huh. when it starts again. And that disappears. It at sounds the like of something. The loop that, again. Yeah, it can yeah. only be a recording thing, not yeah. a human thing. So. There's this producer called Muramasa. Uh -huh, I don't know yeah. if you know him, but yeah, yeah. like checking out a lot of his albums because his production is really, really creative. I think. Yeah. And um, Sonny had, you know, he's he's made all kinds of albums before and and had loads of reference points, you know, which I'm not so familiar with. That, um, yeah, he play he would play me these little tracks. I can't even remember what they were, but with these specific production examples mm -hmm. in and and you know, what do you think about doing this on this track and. You know, we tried it and it was exciting. As promised, we've got some exclusives from Wonder Trail. This podcast um, basically chosen a few, hopefully, kind of enticing little excerpts mm -hmm. to uh, not give too much away, but I've basically chosen a few contrasting things which give you a little, perhaps, sneak peek preview into some of the sounds you might expect listening to the album. Yeah. But again totally i'm going to be a bit mean and keep it keep oh. it concise yeah so i don't want to ruin the surprise because exactly. there are some surprises up the dinosaur sleeve it's true yeah here we go shine your light shine your light, shine your light. 
did a lot more kind of multi-tracking yeah. this time, which was which was fun. Um, and yeah, so then we'd make that section, and then we'd go on to you know the next section, which might be all played live, you know, yeah. because of the nature of it, you know, deciding which bits are going to sound good played live, which bits need to be played live, because there's obviously a lot of improvisatory moments which are going to sound most exciting when everyone's playing together. Sure. Are there any of the compositions that, once you arrived in the studio, after having these conversations, completely transformed from what maybe you'd been gigging before and had prepared? Yeah. I mean, there was fun things we did, like Corey would... I mean, I'll just name lots of different things we did in different parts of the album, different tracks, but we did things like... Um, and everyone got involved with coming up with ideas, you know, things that you might only think of on the day or when you're making something. Mm-hmm. You suddenly yeah. think, ah, actually, this bit of material would be really great to do this. So, for instance, Corey, he thought, oh, maybe it'd be cool if I just took out little... Mo- like, made little moments of silence in my drum groove. So he's, like, playing a groove, but then... Yeah, you're only hearing little bursts of it. So, so, so is it like an accent of silence or something? Yeah, I guess so. And then we also did things like added a few like drum machine moments where it would just sound cool to have like electronic drum sounds. Um, nice. Added a bit of guitar. So there's like a few of us that can, you know, strum a few chords. <laughs> <laughs> Your second exclusive renewal part two. I was doing these little, these little sort of interlude moments, little eight-bar link passages between yeah. sections in one of the tunes, and the idea was that I'd play a little bit of trumpet improv just to sort of, uh, you know, decorate the the, the energy. And um, I was kind of fiddling around playing my trumpet without my mouthpiece, which is a mm. thing you can do. Like I've heard some really cool improvisers do that. Is it Arvo Hendrickson do that? Yeah, he does that. And he can also make just these beautiful, breathy, fluty sounds yeah. with, with the mouthpiece as well. But he, uh, yeah, he's a big... Ins- he's probably the person I first heard doing that, actually, mm. and I, I love the way he improvises and plays. But he, yeah, um, I, I was uh, sort of messing around with that. I remember Elliot being in the control room and saying, oh, that, that sounded so cool, you should mm. do that. Yeah. Um, so what I did is, uh, yeah, I improvised. Then I think... I was just in the in the live room and I think I was just humming along or something and then I think Corey was like, wow, that sounded so nice when you were also sort of singing along to your trumpet player. Yeah. So what I did is I learnt, you know, while we were on a break, I learnt what I improvised Yeah. and then sang it. And then we like, yeah, double tracked it with me sort of very lightly singing. So And it's the way it's mixed, it's just 
you know, sitting underneath the trumpet, almost like it's not there, mm. like ghosting. But yeah. it, like the combination of the kind of female voice and that lovely fluty trumpet thing sounds... Yeah, it's quite cool. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that being a brilliant texture. It's, it's such a dream, like, being in a recording studio yeah. and all this... Being able to capture and document your creativity, like, whenever, like, it's... It's such a lovely feeling. I always get kind of the blues when I yeah. when I leave. You know, you kind of like, what is life if yeah. not in a studio? <laughs> you kind of get a bit like. Your final sneak peek: a track called "Swimming." I'm, I'm so intrigued, I can't tell you, to see how Wonder Trail goes down, actually. Yeah. Because I feel like what we've made compared to Together as One, like, compared to our first album, it's really developed, and I feel like we've made something... To, I think it's better, in a way. I, I feel... And I suppose yeah. it's the first time I've really made, a, like, a studio album where it's really... Yeah. The studio's played a huge part in the making of it, you yeah. know? So that... For me, that's, like, something that a band does like using the studio a lot I yeah. don't know that much kind of things that have come from a jazz world that really right. care so much about like this all it. this sort of thing but like yeah. you've you have hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, it's time for the music making, so let's dive right in, and uh, this was our first idea. I think that's quite 
characterful yeah. little thing. Or if we're making some compositional decisions, then I quite like to refine. Yeah. So I just play for a bit, exploring yeah. that little idea. So after a little refining, this is what we ended up with. Better, That's good, it? yeah. Just clean. Clean, just exactly. Nice. Then we got ourselves a little bit confused about the timing of this riff, so we had to get ourselves deconfused. I sort of like feeling it differently now. <laughs> yeah. But is that what I did or what you did? I haven't, I, yeah, I've shifted no time actually. Oh, I see. So. I thought we were placing it, but that's actually yeah, what I did. So it's... the last one I come in a bit earlier. Yeah, it seems that's like. That's quite cool, isn't it? First time, then the second time, it's beginning on the upbeat. So that's what's so if it's it a six, it's, it's, it's a, a so it seven eight. No, sorry, eleven eight. Yeah, apparently. Let's do it in eleven eight then, helpful. shall we? Yeah. Back on track now, and we discussed what we would have to accompany this part. What about something that's got a slightly different length that sort of oh, phases against so it? Oh, I see. So it's not the same. So yeah. Then we can kind of Maybe get away with too... simpler material that. We can kind of have it phasing across it. Maybe like a two-bar thing or yeah. something. Not a two-bar, but... Or, 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 or a four, four, four beat. beats. Would you reckon like mid-sound, low-sound, low-sound? How about we like stack a few? Into Did you have a sound in mind, that you, a layer that you wanted to put in though? We could do something yeah. like that. Yeah, I like that. It's a really great airy sound. Yeah. Run uh, okay, let me... It's just because you were listening to Arve Henriksen yeah. came in, so I'm really there we go. That's good. lovely air let's, One that sort of like sits sits with it. I love love what you're doing. Yeah. And we can basically what we could do is like maybe cloud that riff, the first thing, in these airy textures. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm gonna go in contrary motion so we get a beautiful semitone. Yes. Nice. That's a good one. So, if you didn't hear that, contrary motion, everyone. It's I'm a beautiful try. thing. It's very interesting because we're sort of shooting in the dark with the harmony in a way, which is quite fun. Yeah. I think if I think about each little part and how it relates to its sort of closest neighbour, so that maybe I'll go yeah. like. Big thumbs we'll see up what for that. that. Sounds like yeah. With a sort of contrary motion for a bit. Are you good to go for that one? Listen to that in isolation because it sounded lovely. 
So we went back to the 11-8 riff and decided to do some pitching things with that to thicken it up. Should I do something to go boom, boom, Exactly, boom, yeah. Boom. I just, that, um, could, that could be really fun. It's a shame I can't go a bit lower, actually, but... What about... Oh, Ben, this is why you're here. Yeah. I like wonder if you could actually, stuff. then I don't have to work out the new notes. <laughs> <laughs> I just pitched them in this. You could pitch me down a fifth. Yeah. Uh, play the same thing. Oh, yeah, you actually. Uh, hey, see if this has worked. So maybe we could have a layer of the fifth and a layer of octave and a fifth. Or but octave yeah. again, maybe. Oh, of the original. Of so the it's original, not doubling yeah. the fifth. Like it. Yeah, cool. Do you know what I think you might feel like doing? Is yes. Copy a version of the... Yeah. Duplicate all that and put it just at the start of the whole timeline. Yeah, for sure. So we have like a section time where where I can make some abstract kind of sounds along to okay. it, just wild yeah. animal vibes. Cool. Yeah. Big fan. Mm. Huge fan. I felt like it was quite hectic, my energy. If I do similar kind of sounds, but with slightly, with the same kind of feeling and energy as the... It felt it odd when that came in, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got your stock out. Other than on. like, like a nice sense of calm, mysterious... Yeah, what do you think about like, Doing a really simplifying it, like a couple of layers? Yeah. A lot of air. Yeah, lots of air. Yeah. It's, it's it's more like creating an environment yeah. space. And this is three layers of woodland critter noises. And here comes that swaying trumpet texture. We then come in stronger. You have that little moment there where you sort of take off. So you leave you a little, then leave some space. Again. Start it again, but, but stronger with, with something. Some bass. That bass. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. fat face. And if you want, you can octave pedal me. I'm going to octave pedal, yeah, absolutely. Let's have... Go. Uh, and we'll probably do something with it to make it a bit gnarly. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think about what I'm doing though? Like, do you think it should have the same cycle as the others? Uh, it's a good keep... question. Actually, the thing that I heard was just like a similarly low voice, but sort of a call and response between the two of them. But actually, oh, yeah, we like, should consider. feels quite jerdy as well, it feels like something... It's basically all my tunes sound the same. <laughs> so, yeah, it does, doesn't it, really? Yeah, so let's do it's that. It's just I like that um, sound of the... Maybe I, I... also put a human effect, <laughs> just that growling sound. I was just about to say, that's great. In fact, yeah, like, don't be shy with that growl. Like, I think that's kind okay, of wicked. It. Let's lay down some bass, bass, bass. Base. Yeah, I like it. Could you just, for me, play along with this one just for a second, just to see yeah. what that's like as a texture? Play along with the one we've already got. Yeah, yeah just... Yeah, yeah. Oh, that might cool. sound really good, by the way, if we get two on the go. Yeah, here's how it ended up sounding. come back to the music making a bit later on but for now we're gonna have a Laura Jurd history lesson. What is your first memory of music something that's lasted? Yeah I, that's an interesting one I think you no know, there's nothing in detail but first thing I'm aware of doing musically is improvising at the piano as a little toddler you know right. and just enjoying doing that to the extent that you know my parents recognize that and I started having piano lessons, you know, because they thought, ah, that's obviously something that Laura enjoys to do. Yeah. So, um, and my dad actually, as a hobby, you know, he was having piano lessons. So he, uh, I went to the same person. And I'm very fortunately for me, the person I started with when I was, you know, not quite turned five yet, or just turned five, I had until I was 18. You know, because not every beginner piano teacher is going to be, you know, someone you, you take the whole journey yeah, with. But actually yeah. this... Yeah, this woman Pam Edwards. She she uh, yeah she she taught piano of all levels. She was she she is a fantastic piano player herself, an amazing musician. When I did classical piano, you know, yeah, she did teach me because she recognised I love to improvise. So we did a lot of kind of jazz style kind of pieces. I kind of was a self-taught jazz piano player. That's funny. But I didn't ever really learn these special tricks that yeah. all these jazz piano players know. These little, <laughs> little chord tricks that they yeah. know. So. And I, with those, you, you need to get quite fluent to be this sort of idiomatic jazz piano player. But I guess yeah. I could say I'm an improvising piano player. <laughs> and I guess you use the piano now as like a writing tool. Yeah, yeah. Use it. I, I always use it when I'm writing. So I, I still, I'm still in touch with the piano. Yeah. I mean, I just think piano is so useful. You know, cause yeah, it's, it's such a useful instrument to know, and like really helps you visualize music. You know, 
that was the first thing I learned. But I, I started learning trumpet in primary school because someone came into my school to give like group brass lessons and then that just ended up being you know, I didn't think too much of that really. Yeah. That just happened. I wasn't like oh, I really want to play the trumpet. Oh, okay. Sort of... So it wasn't an initial excitement and I mean it was just next, level, next it, level. It was stuff. it was it was just an instrument that came to me in the sense that someone was doing if they were okay. doing clarinet lessons maybe yeah. it'd have been the clarinet. Okay. But um Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked I guess even by this very early age, I know I kind of like jazz. I liked yeah. like this music where you could improvise. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> so, so this is year six. But yet, what? How old? Oh, actually, like, when I was like in year four or really? five. This sounds silly. I, mean, I didn't it's crazy. know lots about I didn't jazz. Know what, didn't know what music was in that age, but yeah, yeah. so lucky, I guess. But yeah, so then I started joining like local youth jazz ensembles, and by the time you start doing that, like I get to secondary school age, I started. I, I like started to buy some albums and that obviously as a curious young person it just you know that just you just start running with that and and buying album after album after album you're like oh find out who the side person with this band is and you're like oh maybe they have their own albums check it out and yeah just so bought loads of any sort of pocket money I had like I just bought albums and yeah I think you're a bit like a sponge at that age you know because if you're you're new to this whole world so just soaking it up soaking it up and and then people, you start to meet other teachers who like unlock these little doors for you, and you're like, "Aha! Yeah. This is how this works. This is so exciting." And then, yeah, alongside that, I just like—I think I just love music in general. And I went to quite a good secondary school for music. Like, again, it was all state, it was entirely state educated. But like, I just happened to live near some fantastic schools mm. for music. So, I um, yeah, had these music teachers that introduced me to such awesome music. And I remember. I actually remember sitting in, this is very glamorous, are you ready? Basingstoke Symphony Orchestra. Oh, la la. It's an amateur orchestra. I remember being about, I must have been like 15 or something. Yeah. And we were playing um, Michael Tippett's The Child of Our Time, Mm. which is very exciting for an orchestra of that ilk to be playing something so modern, even though it's not really (laughs) like modern in the sense, but it's written in the 20th century. You know, know, it's not exactly contemporary now, but... This orchestra is like constantly playing like it's quite conservative, you know. Typically yeah. playing your, you know, I don't know, your Beethoven and your Brahms and your mm. blah blah blah. Maybe a bit of Vaughan Williams if yeah. you're going to be into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, and all this music is obviously wonderful, and I, got, I seriously loved playing all that like classical orchestral repertoire. Like really loved it. But I remember playing this amazing oratorio by Michael Tippett, and we were in rehearsal, and I remember being like totally overwhelmed by what mm. I was seeing amongst you even though you know amateur players or kind of a lot of people were kind of there were some quite good players who were like music teachers in the area but a lot of people were sort of I was probably the youngest by right. good I don't know <laughs> let's say 50 years 50 but, years yeah like it's it a lot of like older people who yeah. enjoyed to play like the viola or whatever <laughs> um, as well as you know peppered with a few pretty skillful musicians but yeah. um I remember like looking around and people just being like so indifferent. Yeah. And thinking, is does no one else realise what's happening here? This yeah. is just unbelievable. Yeah. And to this day actually that remains a bit of a desert island disc for me, that piece. Wow. It's just uh it actually changed I was just like, Wow. Like it was suddenly like some this is the music I've been waiting to hear. Sure. Yeah. I was like, This is incredible, like harmonically just it was just 
so beautiful and then I just you know from that age that sort of age like 16 17 18 I totally immersed myself in loads of classical music yeah and, and learn about all kinds of things you're listening to interlude which is oddly the final track on dinosaurs album together as one to be continued I suppose was the point love it so much now even mm. though it wasn't something I chose to play in a, in a, in a really conscious way yeah I, I, I massively love it you know more than it makes sense to me in a way that I'm yeah. a trumpet player like um, obviously Miles Davis to me he's one of the great heroes again a great hero of the 20th century mm. and, and, and and of yours personally artistic like, like, yeah, yeah mine personally but yeah. Almost that doesn't really matter that he's a jazz musician or a trumpet player. But I think it's so awesome that he does play the trumpet. You know, I play the same instrument as Miles yeah. Davis. That's enough for me. You yeah. know? It doesn't really matter what that instrument is. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Well, I if it's good enough so for cool. Miles, it's good enough for yeah. Lord Jed. I mean, it's merely yeah. a vessel. You yeah. know, it's merely a vessel. <laughs> merely a just vessel. a heap of junk. And you can yeah. just be... But the cool thing about the trumpet is that you really can... There's a certain dynamic that really suits the trumpet, like a certain energy, which I really enjoy trying to harness. It's a certain jumping off a cliff mm. that you need to be drawn to. Yeah. A certain, like, I'm going to do this confidently and it might go really wrong. Like, yeah. you have to be... Sure. You have to enjoy that feeling if you're going to be a trumpet player. Mm. Otherwise, you'll, you'll never, you'll never <laughs> go... <laughs> Otherwise, you just won't be able yeah. to cut the mustard. There's so much pitching involved, mm. like physical. We use our body to like, di like create this air pressure, and th which makes our lip vibrate in a certain way. That to pitch that you have to have to really believe that and hear the note before <laughs> yeah. you play it for it to work. Yeah, because sometimes it goes wrong. You don't want it to go wrong because you doubted it. You want yeah. it to go wrong because it just, you know. Where if Miles goes, I'm going to play this. This note and it's quite yeah. high and put a big accent on it. It's going to sound wicked and it comes out of something you didn't expect. It's still awesome <laughs> yeah. because the energy is yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful that role. I play an instrument that nurtures this feeling. Mm. Like, you, it forces you to gain confidence in this way. You know? Yeah. I've never thought about an instrument, any instrument in that way. It's so yeah. cool, by the way. Yeah. It makes sense, it makes sense as well that like Miles was really into boxing. No, I'm, I'm not going to be getting. He was. He was. He was. Really? He loved it. That's great. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to be getting into boxing myself. Why but not? I like. I guess I could, but yeah. I don't like the idea of punching other people. <laughs> <laughs> Flight music from Laura's first album, Landing Ground. 
be really great to talk to you about Landing Ground. Mm. What a great album. And it's your first album. <laughs> um, the writing for the string, so it's the Ligeti Quartet. And yeah. um, the same dinosaur lineup, basically. Yeah, it is. The Those musicians people. still working with them after all these years. <laughs> still sticking with them. So I'm going to name check them for you. Yeah. Connor Chaplin, Corey Dick, Elliot Galvin. Absolutely. Otherwise known as the Dream Team. Yeah. yeah. They are indeed, yeah. Still still dreamy. Yeah. So when did you release Landing Ground? Um, to, so I released Landing Ground in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. I think the writing is brilliant. The screenwriting, wow. yeah. Thank you so much. And, and in general, the, the writing, and there's some brilliant duets in there that are great showcases and sort of oh, cool. miniatures for uh, interactions. Yeah, so the, the string writing, it's just so well informed and I was wondering, like, had you researched ahead of it? Obviously you've studied composition, you've played in orchestras and this kind of thing, but like, it's just so inventive and that, what were your influences? That, that sounds, yeah, it's, it's so cool to hear you say that because that whole, the whole purpose of that project, it was never to make an album, but it was to uh, basically, like, explore writing for strings in a context with, in which I could play. So myself being an improviser and, you know, trumpet player and, and, and my fellow improvisers, Elliot, Connor and Corey. Um, yeah, that, that was just a great context to sort of hone the craft, a little bit of writing for strings, something I hadn't done much of at that stage. And, and I also had this great chance of being surrounded by musicians. So I could get these string players at college to kindly rehearse the music with me and try stuff out and ask questions and I suppose like in terms of what I knew at that stage so I'm not a string player but I'd listened to a lot of orchestral music and some chamber music with string instruments so that's another thing I think often when you're writing I try and think have I if I have an idea and it's to do with an instrument that I'm less familiar with I think have I heard that instrument do that kind of thing before. Yeah. If I can imagine it in my head, it's probably likely that they'll be able to do it. Mm. And what I wanted to do with that album was just to, yeah, to push things. And, and funnily enough, I feel like I was quite conservative with the string writing mm. in that album, I think in a way. But I suppose it's poised or something within it's what it's doing. Because you know? you, it's with the band as well. I think the inventiveness of it is the way it gels so well. There's just so many great interactions and moments and it just seems just very well thought out. That, that's um, really cool that you say that. Yeah, yeah, I guess like you were saying, I was trialling how to combine the two things, the string quartet and the improvising, and, and make compositions that feel like they serve both things. This is Happy Sad Song. I guess it's also a way of me like nourishing my love for through composed music and being a composer. Yeah. And also doing a bit of improvising. So for yeah. me that album it's more about me as a composer in a way. That's how it 
comes across, yeah, yeah because right. obviously that process is going to be a different process entirely compared to a dinosaur record because you've got a string quartet, they need dots. Exactly. You've got. It would be a shame to not go to town with yeah. giving them instructions. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, I was thinking the other day, I wonder what would happen if I had a gig, if I had to play a concert of the landing ground music. Mm. It's quite challenging, because a lot of the time yeah. I'm very much, it's almost like a classical trumpet. Yeah. So it's a lot of written material, which is quite, it's not super, super virtuosic or anything, but it requires, like, you've got to play the, to make it sound, you know, as the composer intended, like you which is to, you, which yeah. is me, you kind of. But like you know, to you. actually, if I've written a mezzo piano yeah. A, I have to play a mezzo piano A that lasts a, yeah. you know, a minimum because yeah. that's in the music and that's how it's going to sound cool, you know. So I, I uh, would be interested to see whether I can even cut the mustard now because <laughs> I haven't done it for a while. But same with Human Spirit, that had quite a lot of notated. Oh, a very skillfully placed link there, Laura. Thank you. This is Human Spirit from Laura's second album, Human Spirit. but it didn't yeah. quite have the uh, resonance that I expected it might have actually okay. yeah because it's one of my favorite things I've done actually human mm. spirit and I really um sort of again really composery if you like yeah. really composed music by that I mean very organized yeah you know scores parts lots yeah. of uh, through composed things and I was really like delighted with it probably in a way like compositionally I feel like it's stronger than landing ground yet it sort of got a bit swept under the carpet yeah a little bit why do you think that that is well again maybe it's to do with how I presented it timing a lot of it's luck you know there's no there's no nothing wrong in acknowledging the fact that sometimes you release something at the right time the right place you know the stars sometimes align Human Spirit. On this album, Laura was joined by Lauren Kinsella, Chris Batchelor, Cole Mohara, 
Mick Foster, Alex Roth, Connor Chaplin and Corey Dick. We're going to go back to music making mode now and if you remember where we were last time, we were just making a little bass part to sit underneath the swaying trumpets and now we're talking about how to bring in the 11-8 riff through that texture. It'd be interesting to hear if we mute the low octave and then yeah. hear the 11-8 come in so that because I think the low bit of the 11-8 is interfering with the low. Yeah. A little bit. I'd be so interested too. to hear what it sounds like. So now we've got this going to come in. It's nice for that to just come in together. Yeah, it's a bit raucous, isn't it? Let, let's hear the transition between the two. This, this register, this space for it to emerge. Yeah. What's cool about that? It's a harmonically slightly intrusive as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rhythmically. Oh, I actually. It's got a lot, a lot of attitude. Because we talked about bringing that in in chunks, but I quite like it just. Steaming it. Yeah, I like that as well. Like, yeah. What it could have is it's a production thing which also sort of as if it's coming from a distance, basically yeah. reverb just drying out as it's yeah. a very simple thing. It's like a sort of ominous like Yeah. Ooh, exactly. It is sort of like Opening the, the floodgates. Yeah, this is the antagonist coming in now. Yes. Part of me thinks maybe just, they shouldn't be there at all. Yeah. Even though we've tried it. Because that low A that I'm playing at my yeah. pitch still has an effect, doesn't it? Of yeah. being like a bass part. And then, then it means that when the neck, when this boo, 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 quite yeah. low comes in, it's like, yeah, that's your moment where it's like, yeah. there's those low frequencies which yeah. are feeling that. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, I think we could do a bit of both. Maybe like yeah. the, um, they come in heavy at first or with some sort of like energy change. Right. And... And that is a whole different energy change when the next thing, the okay. eleven eight, slides in. And as you were saying, so we don't have this piece where it's just a loop and you're adding to it. We mm. can maybe hear a little, hear quite a while because it's nice to hear how they fit together. Yeah, yeah. But then slightly fade out the original, and then leave the. Yeah, yeah. Do what you want. That's great. Yeah, I think so. And as you said, percussive stuff with it. Golden. I wonder if there's a thing you could do. You could put some like a big delay on the rocking part so that it carries on for a bit. Yeah, I can do. Um, Even if it disintegrates rhythmically a bit, like yeah, just so you can hear the harmony and the red carrying all over the. Yeah, that's nice. What about? Do you know what I mean? So it lingers for a little longer. Alrighty. Like long enough. Remember, I guess with me improvising, it's going to be like the glue. Mm -hmm. What did you think? Did you like that? I did, yeah. I think the reverb might need, or I don't know, just something a little bit more considered. But yeah, and it could maybe take a little while. Like what more. sounds cool is the two things together. Like that's yeah. actually really fun. This is interesting that we've ended up doing this because this is like how a lot of the things say, like written for dinosaur, like it's like very. Um, often very harmonically simple things, but just happening at the same time to create something which feels a little bit more. Um, mm. You used uh, harmonically intrusive before. I thought that was quite intrusive. good. Yeah, or just like a someone, someone 
you didn't expect walks into the room and just yeah. makes the energy totally like ah oh, okay yeah yeah this isn't just f major it's not and it's not so much about being this is you know f major with like it's mm. not necessarily like anything to do with the chord symbol it's like oh we've also had a major walking in or yeah, something you yeah. know and it's the two sounding together which is really yeah. cool you know then we went on to find some percussive sounds from the trumpet that we could then layer up later on. Let's do percussion. Thing. percussion. As that 11-8 comes in. Yeah. yeah. So let's go here. And just because it's fun, here's all those sounds lined up next to each other. It's a palette of noises, it's something isn't it? Could be you could. I mean, with what you could bring that to life a bit more. It's just an extra layer. I think I should solo now. Yeah, great. Let's do that. Be very freeing after all this difficult. <laughs> So Laura went on to record a few different solos over the top of the track and I'm not going to play those now because you're going to hear them uh, very shortly in the actual finished piece. So we spent quite a lot of time chatting on the day and we didn't actually finish the piece. Laura is quite the chatty catty and we had probably a little less time than we actually needed on the on the music. So what we did, we had a little debrief about the music and how to take it forward, which you're going to hear now. It's... Not a complete piece of music, but we're going to have a, ba a bit of a back and forth yeah. about tweaking things, production things, and this kind of stuff. But we, we're, we're confident that we've got all the layers necessary. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think in terms of like material, it's all there and we've created it. And even the structure, I'd say it's all just kind of like mi the mix now. Maybe a few production things and like you can have fun with a lot of stuff we recorded, but like, no, it was really good. Yeah. I was really happy with it. It sounds cool. And I like the way we kept it quite, we didn't throw in too many elements because, yeah, we'd rather execute a few ideas well. And... You need anchors quite quickly. I really loved that rocking thing. Yeah. And it was as, it was in response to the 11-8 thing, which yeah. uh, I'd say makes more sense to me. And we ran with that more. We kind of considered that, that as funny? our thing. Yeah. yeah, because at the beginning we were like, okay, this, the whole crux of this is this little level yeah. thing. But that just became like a, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Sort of... I don't as you were saying, like a a late guest to the party. A late guest to <laughs> yeah. the party, like yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah, and I'm quite glad, you know, in a way that that more complex thing was a late guest to the party. Yeah, you know, it's just like <laughs> like I said, if you're dealing with more complex material, it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I just need to do droney things in this podcast. Everyone likes drones, right? Your idea of bringing in that 11.8 through that kind of swaying mm. texture just works, but it sort of almost shouldn't work. But yeah. I guess, where did that idea come from? We had, that was the first thing we made. We made this loop and mm. actually you had the idea to put like, and it's something that I really enjoyed to do as well, which was so I was really up for it. Like you said, Let, let's do another loop underneath which had a slightly different you thought it'd be nice if it had a little bit more of a chilled energy but also the cycle length is different yeah it said it'd be something more even it's something more familiar so it's in yeah. three i think it ends up being yeah yeah 
So actually that's really nice, like that feeling of this familiar rolling three thing over this slightly more odd time. And harmonically yeah. they're kind of close but not quite fitting. So you get that lovely juxtaposition actually and it sounds cool. Yeah, it? totally. It cuts right in and yeah, it's a little bit bonkers. It's something quite nice about the trumpets laid up like that. I'd love to hear huge what, like, textures and just like amazing? all these like voices wandering around inside this trumpet, yeah. trumpet wall of world. sound. I mean, yeah. in a way, because like, I've done a few things like this before, but yeah, it was really nice just doing this today. Like it's really made me think that I'd love to make an album just with my, just with trumpet, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like. Um, that stuff can be brilliant. I suppose it's like you've got that sound of like the pipe. It's just, it almost sounds like an organ or something, you know. One thing I also like about this process is like having that time limit. You just got to make decisions. Yeah. You know? Especially when you're doing things collaboratively, I think sometimes things can. The process of collaborating, there's so much back and forth that sometimes things, the process becomes very. Uh, long or something not that yeah. there, there's definitely value yeah. in taking time over things but it's also yeah. really it's a great skill to be able to just like make some choices the worst that can happen is we write a bad piece of music yeah and hopefully the worst hasn't happened so here it is the piece of music that laura and i wrote together um yeah hope you enjoy it
And there you have it, a day with Laura Jurd, condensed into about an hour. Thank you very much for listening all the way to the end. I really hope that you enjoyed the episode and the music that we created. Huge thanks to Laura, obviously. Literally wouldn't have been possible without you. Also thanks to Dave Stapleton at Edition Records. You can find out more about Laura and her music on her website, laurajerd.com. She's also on all the usual social media places. Dinosaur will be touring UK-wide between May and June, and there will also be some European dates too, so check on the website to find out when and where those will be. You can discover more about Excuse the Mess on our website, etmpodcast.com, and on the usual social media sites. So one final treat, Red Dog Music, the wonderful music retailer, are continuing their discount code for Excuse the Mess listeners. Just type in Excuse the Mess at checkout for a 5% discount or call them up and see if you can squeeze a little extra out of them. I'm going to leave you with a bit of a track from Dinosaur now. This one's called Extinct. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and don't forget to come back for the next one. Farewell. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.